Juwanza, is it the fault of the media? Well, th there's no question that there's a direct relationship between images and self-esteem. Uh, and he goes all the way back to Tarzan, to Superman, to Rambo, to Batman, to even painting the image of Jesus Christ as white. I mean, you can't separate racism from anything. So it's, no, it's, not, it's not unlikely then that you have Pope Julius commissioning Michelangelo in 1505 to paint Jesus Christ white. Images control self-esteem. Abraham Lincoln found out very early when you have 300 slaves on a plantation and one master, it takes a lot of work. Why don't you let them go? But don't teach them who they are. Control their history, control their images, then you won't have to watch them. Whoever controls the mind will also control the body. Let's talk about the image of the black man in America when we return. Stay tuned. As a black man, I have to deal with constantly being seen as a threat when I'm not. I'm constantly villainized in the media and often deal with more microaggressions in the workplace than any of my coworkers. This week on The Soapbox, I'm going to speak directly to my peers that understand what I'm talking about, my fellow black men. Our entire lives, we've experienced internal and external battles concerning our blackness and what exactly it means to be a man. Today, I offer a solution to both our issue as adults and what we can do to help the next generation of black boys avoid going through some of what we've been through. That solution is one word. Mentorship. What's that box it's my soapbox. If you have important things to say, you use the soapbox. If now isn't a good time for the truth, I don't see when we're going to get to it. I'm not getting in there and pick people's cases. I'm nobody's fool. I'm on, I have that soapbox. I have, I, I have a voice. The excerpt I'm about to read is from the organization Capital Partners for Education on their website, cpfe.org. For African Americans born today, perhaps the greatest challenge to be faced is overcoming structural barriers to achieving upward economic mobility. African American children not only start behind their white peers economically, but they face obstacles that make it less likely to be able to catch up. Black households have only 10 cents in wealth for every dollar held by white households, and earns 61% of the income the median white household earns in a year. Compared to all other racial and ethnic groups, African Americans are 40% more likely to attend lower-performing public schools due to living in racially segregated, underfunded school districts. Black students have greater difficulty affording college, with an estimated 86% having to borrow federal student loans compared to 59% of white students, and throughout their childhood are impacted by a criminal justice system that incarcerates African-Americans at six times the rate of their white peers. Unfortunately, black children's pain is often criminalized or punished rather than treated. In schools, for example, black male students face over-referral for school disciplinary action and special education. Similarly, within the criminal justice system, black children are 18 times more likely than white children to be sentenced as adults. A study published by the National Mentoring Partnership reports young adults with mentors are 55% more likely to enroll in college, 78% more likely to volunteer regularly, and 130% more likely to hold leadership positions. Now, Frederick Douglass once said it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And I don't know about you guys, but I can just speak from my own experience. Though my father was present in my life generally, he worked seven days a week when I was growing up, so I never really felt like I knew him. I didn't have my first black male teacher until the ninth grade, and even then, he'd go on to be the only black male teacher I ever have. 
In my 13 years of being in the workforce, I've had two or three black bosses. In the media, I had a decent uh, amount of examples of what a strong black man is. And for the most part, I'd look to hip hop culture for ideal images of what a man is supposed to be. Now, though, I do believe you can have a mentor that you never meet. And by that, I mean anybody of prominence that you admire or model yourself after. I do believe that we all need at least one person in close proximity that we can ask real questions to and get real answers. 90% of those who are formally mentored when young grow up to be mentors. So there's something about this system that works. And there's a reason young men far more often than not decide to pay it forward. As someone who's growing constantly, emotionally, and intellectually, consider the idea of being there for a young person as well. Now, me, myself, I've been a mentor for almost three years now, and I could tell you that it's changed my life for the better in more ways than I can explain. Uh, you never realize how much you yourself have to learn about life until you take on the role of being a teacher to somebody else. My mentee's name is Elijah. Shout out to Elijah. And through getting to know Elijah, I've learned a lot about myself, uh, being able to help explain things to him like the justice system, uh, girls and just gaining and losing friends has kind of furthered my understanding of those things. To any of you with younger siblings or have mentees yourself, you'll know that kids ask some really good questions. And Elijah's questions help me sharpen my own ideas as much as they help him form his ideas. I decided to become a mentor after hearing President Obama speak with Sway at an HBCU in 2016. Uh, he was speaking about this initiative that he'd be starting that was focused on being a hub for black male mentorship. The website, which is still active, uh, just Google Obama, my brother's keeper, is a resource for both black males in need of mentorship and those who want to volunteer. Last year, President Obama spoke at a town hall in Oakland uh, with Steph Curry, where he spoke on what exactly uh, inspired my brother's keeper. And the fact that uh, not just Trayvon, but every single day there were young men of color who were being shot and killed, uh, that every single day there were young men who were dropping out of school, every single day there were too many uh, who were more likely to end up in prison than in college. Uh, required us as a society to wake up and to find ways in which we could uh, come together and say to all of our young people, but particularly young men of color who on a whole bunch of indicators were having a more difficult time in this society for a whole range of historical reasons, we had to be able to say to them, you matter. We care about you, we believe in you, and we are going to make sure that you have the opportunities and chances to move forward just like everybody else. Uh, and so it was out of that that we decided to set up My Brother's Keeper. I could do two episodes about all those systemic reasons why black boys weren't succeeding as often as their peers. But for now, I'll focus on one aspect of that systemic breakdown. In the late 70s and 80s, black communities all across the nation were ravaged by crack cocaine and the rapidly militarized nature of policing. This, of course, was done purposefully and with the intent of quelling a sense of militancy that sprung throughout black communities of America after the civil rights movement and the days of the Black Panther Party. Black men were specifically targeted to weaken the community as a whole and leave many black women to fend for themselves. One of the greatest examples of manhood in the hip-hop community, Chuck D., 
spoke to a Dutch TV station in 1990 about this systemic breakdown and the response to it in our communities. It was a systematic breakdown of older brothers in our community, about 77, 78. And um, what we had to do, we was young ourselves, we would look for guidance. And a lot of brothers would go to the army. They would go to jail, get caught up in the systematic rule. So when you looked for a role model, there was none. So you had to be one. But of course now, with the knowledge we have at our fingertips, we know that we should not leave it up to every black boy to be his own role model. We, as intelligent black men, can help steer our race into a brighter tomorrow by taking action and being there for somebody. Let's take a quick break to give a shout out to a company that is very close to my heart. Traffic Art is a creative and marketing agency dedicated to servicing artists, creators, and advocates. At the heart of their business is a drive to visually express the voice of the people through raw creativity and their knowledge of maximizing exposure online and off. Not only do they help bring your vision to reality, but they do what's most important, which is teach you along the way. Their goal is to uplift you and leave you with the understanding of what you'll need to do to keep your business going. And they're always there to support you and give you guidance along the way. And like I said, these guys are very special to this show in particular. They help me out with all the behind the scenes stuff from the logo to the marketing and pretty much anything I need help with. Also, the Traffic Art team and I visited an elementary school in Bed-Stuy earlier this year and did writing workshops and other activities with the kids. It was absolutely amazing, and they've been doing work like that long before I started working with them. In a day, you hear a lot of ads for a lot of products and a lot of services, and I can honestly say I've never seen a company that is as dedicated to their people as Traffic Art is. It's really something special. For any marketing or creative needs, trust me, hit them up. You can go to trafficartdigital.com or check out their Instagram at trafficart. Let them know you heard of them via La Soapbox and get a free consultation plus up to $100 off once you start working with them. An amazing company that you definitely want to work with for any creative or marketing needs. Again, check them out at trafficartdigital.com or on Instagram at trafficart. Now back to the show. Before I became a mentor, I struggled with whether I was good enough. I was serving tables at the time and felt I hadn't accomplished enough in life to be a mentor to a young black kid. What I would soon learn was that just knowing that mentorship is necessary and valuable is enough credential to become a mentor. You know that there's a better way than the way black boys are typically led, and through your own life experience, you came to that conclusion. So you should share all that life experience with a young person so they don't have to make the same mistakes you did. Now, me personally, I'm a mentor with the Children of Promise NYC. Uh, CPNYC is a nonprofit organization that provides free after school, summer camp programs, uh, mentorship programs to children affected by mass incarceration. Often the conversation around mass incarceration leaves out the children who are innocent bystanders who now have to live without a parent for an extended period of time. Along with the programs I mentioned, CPNYC offers mental health services, homework help and other recreational activities for the kids. To learn more about CPNYC and volunteer to help with any of their services, uh, visit cpnyc.org. Some days with Elijah, we talk about classwork and why it's important to get good grades and be a good student. Some days we delve into family issues he or I may be having and sort of, through asking questions, get to the root of the issues. Some days I take him to a museum or to some conference I heard of and he learns as I do from whatever event we're at. And some days we go to the park and toss around a football and I just hear what's on his mind. To me, a good mentor is an ear, 
a guide and a source of emotional support. I think what's most important is a respecting of their perspective. Growing up, I had my older brother, Eddie, who would ask me what I think of certain situations he or I were going through. Uh, Yes, I'd be wrong often, but it was his willingness to even listen to me that gave me uh, a bit of confidence that really helped me. And I'll always appreciate him for that. Through CPNYC, which I wouldn't have found without my brother's keeper, I've been able to try to become that for a young person who might need it. And that's what my brother's keeper is all about. Helping more of our young people stay on track, providing the support they need to think more broadly about their future, building on what works, when it works, in those critical life-changing moments. And when I say, by the way, building on what works, it means looking at the actual evidence of what works. There are a lot of programs out there that sound good, are well-intentioned, well-inspired, but they're not actually having an impact. And we, we don't have enough money or time or resources to invest in things that don't work. So we've got to be pretty hard-headed about saying, if something's not working, let's stop doing it. Let's do things that work. And we shouldn't care whether it was a Democratic program or a Republican program or a faith-based program. Or If it works, we should support it. If it doesn't, we shouldn't. And all the time recognizing that my neighbor's child is my child. That each of us has an obligation to give every child the same chance this country gave so many of us. So, so in, in closing, let me just say this. Not, none of this is going to be easy. This is not a one-year proposition. It's not a two-year proposition. It's going to take time. We're dealing with complicated issues that run deep in our history, run deep in our society, and are entrenched uh, in our minds. After we fully recover from the coronavirus, there are going to be a lot of young people who need someone to decompress and uh, process the experience that they went through uh, with besides the people that they were quarantined with. And with the disproportionate effect the coronavirus is having on the black community, I expect that we're really going to have a lot of kids that look like us that need this. Let's, as we prepare to recover mentally, also extend an arm back to help a young person who may not be as evolved emotionally uh, and help them recover. Because imagine what it would be like if we were in their shoes, uh, you know, in middle school, high school, and the world shuts down for a little bit. You know, I can only I can only imagine how crazy that'd be. I mean, I also believe that we, uh, even as adults, need our own mentors. And along with my brother, Eddie, throughout my life, I've been able to meet men like Herb Ford and Damian Presson, both black men that through chance would be my bosses and help guide me through the complexities of office culture in corporate America and how to be a man of high integrity out in the real world. You can find mentors at work like I have uh, through friends and even in media. Uh, The only requirement really is another black man that is or was further down the road that you want to travel than you currently are. If you don't have anyone in your life that you can think of, then you also have all of history and the great black men throughout it to choose from. Uh, Though a real life mentor gives you the option of reaching out with any questions, there's a lot to learn from the great men of the past. This is an idea uh, that Kobe would speak on uh, in an interview on Jay Shetty's On Purpose podcast. Oh, I love that word. That is awesome. How are you encouraging? Well, you've shared so many stories of like your teacher who taught you about storytelling and writing early on. You just shared an Oprah's example. Like you've had so many incredible mentors in your life. We all know about that. Yeah. How are you encouraging young people to find the right mentors? And how can they find the right mentors? Even through your work. I guess yeah. your work is somewhat mentorship. It try, we try to be, yeah. you know, and I think the important thing is research. 
you know, in the hall here in the office, I have a hall that I call Muse Hall. We have all the portraits of some of our muses here from J.K. Rowling to, you know, Steve Jobs and so forth and so on. And I think it's important to research them. And it's like putting, you know, fuel in the fire every day. You know, there's constant inspiration when you read about them, what they were able to accomplish, how they went about accomplishing it. It's just constantly, you know, uh, feeding that flame and uh, and learning. And the best way to do that is to learn from the people who have done it. Yes. Yeah. That just made me so happy. I have a gallery wall in my home. If we were recording this at my place in, in Hollywood, awesome, like I have a gallery wall, Steve Jobs is right there. Yeah, yeah. Right? And, 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 and Einstein's there. Yeah. And Martin Luther King's there. And there's a few other people. And it's, for me, it's the same thing. It's like, sometimes I'm sitting there and I'll be like, well, what would that person do? Like, how would right. they have dealt with this challenge? Right. And you're so right. I think you can be mentored by people who aren't alive. 100%. Because their stories still live, which is, brings us to the importance of storytelling. Yeah. Their stories still live. These muses are here. It's important to learn from them. And, uh, and if anything, it helps you remember that they are human, just like us. Yeah. These great things that get accomplished can be accomplished yeah. by others and beyond. You know, building Walt Disney Company is not something that, you know, people look at and scoff at and go, oh, it can't be done. Anymore. Well, why not? Why not? Yeah. And the more action you take, the more you think is possible. Yeah, because you realize there are people just like us. They made mistakes just like us. Mm. And they kept going. Yeah. And uh, we can do the same. For mentoring opportunities and resources in your area, go to obama.org mbka. If you are interested in becoming a mentor with CPNYC, head over to cpnyc.org. As is the case with all episodes of La Soapbox, I am welcoming opinions, questions, concerns, whatever you may have. Uh, just use the voice memo feature on your phone and record what you have to say. There's no time limit and feel free to give shout outs where necessary. Throughout the season and maybe even after, uh, bonus episodes will come out sporadically addressing these thoughts from the people. Just email your memo to lasoapboxpod at gmail.com. That's lasoapboxpod at gmail.com. That is all I have for you today on The Soapbox. Thank you for listening. And thanks to the outstanding work that was being done in local communities, uh, and, and some of the key leaders from across the country are gathered here today, that spirit of investing in boys and young men of color uh, has continued and thrived uh, so that, for example, an organization in Chicago that I sat down in a, a circle with uh, some young men uh, in a high school uh, Hyde Park High School, right across from where we're building our library, a program called uh, BAM, Becoming a Man, outstanding program. Started off with 400 young leaders involved. Now they've got 7,000. They just started a new chapter in Boston. And, uh, you know, you have uh, communities like Yonkers that are initiating. Yonkers in the house that uh, are initiating uh, outstanding uh, violence prevention programs. The same is taking place in San Juan, uh, Puerto Rico, uh, where you've already seen success in drastically reducing violence, increasing school attendance. Uh, and so it's really communities themselves that are mobilizing. And the purpose of this summit was, number one, to say, five years after this started, we're not going anywhere. We're still going to continue. 
uh, to make progress across the country. Number two, we want to make sure to lift up those organizations that are successful and bring them together so they can learn from each other, figure out what are the best ways to intervene and support and provide a voice to young men in our communities. Uh, and number three, and most importantly, give us an opportunity to see outstanding young men all across the country that are not reported on enough, who are doing positive work, who are leaders in their communities, who are succeeding in school, who are supporting their brothers, who are being respectful to their sisters, who are uh, the, the, the kinds of young men that are going to be leaders of this country in the future. Um, and, and that uh, story is not told often enough. And, and the young men who are sitting on this stage and who are in the audience, they represent uh, that kind of excellence. Uh, and for us to be able to bring them together so that they can learn from each other, support each other, and ultimately lead together, uh, that's the thing that's most important to us.